Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, November 1st, 2019. Today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we're on page 65, the third paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Tenzin P., for the 12 traditions, Janice P.M., and the readers of the text are Lisa H. and Susan H. The reference numbers for Thursday, October 31st, 2019 are, for the 7 a.m., 13,599. That's 13599. And for the 10 a.m. are 13,601. That's 13601. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzin P. checking in from New York City. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us, 
and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tintin. I will now ask Janice PM to read the 12 traditions. Well, thank you, Katie. Yes, this is Janice PM, a recovered compulsive overeater. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose. (coughs) Pardon me. To carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Janice. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. 
In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 65, paragraph three. We went back through our lives. And I will ask Lisa H. to begin reading. Good morning. Thank you, Katie. Um, this is Lisa H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. The first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. This is is, uh, following on what we read yesterday. Um, I was reflecting back about when I um, started doing my four-step inventory. And, um, you know, having been abstinent. I might have been a month or so. Um, my clarity of thought um, was felt so good that I that I knew um, I needed to be thorough and 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 completely honest. Um, but I'd never done a four step inventory before, you know. So it says we went back through our lives, you know. And I I went back and looked at big chunks um, when I was doing this inventory, and I would sit down um, and I literally would set a timer because I probably could have sat there for hours. And the first thing I did was just prayed, you know, God, show me what needs to be here, you know, and, and the amazing thing, you know, when you're looking back, when I was looking back over my life, the things that came up um, that I had forgotten about. Um, So the thoroughness um, to me was, was so, so important. Um, the interesting thing when that was done, um, cause I really, again, I was so covered up and so cut off, um, that I could never really look at, at my part. Um, I was constantly comparing, condemning and criticizing others. Um, and, and really what I was doing was condemning, criticizing and comparing myself, um, to other people. Um, it says sometimes, let's see, um, I guess maybe I was thinking um, it seemed. So the, so the word seemed is in italics. And, it, and one of the definitions is um, to be able to do something despite having tried, you know. Um, and so what, what I tried to do was make the outside look all put together, you know, um, that seemed to work for a while. You know, if you could see how, how fine my outside was, you wouldn't know how much I was dying on the inside. Um, but of course, this was short-lived. Um, every time I got to my goal weight in a, on, a, on a diet, I thought I had arrived. I had won. Um, and, and if you're a compulsive overeater like me, the minute they said you could introduce for me sugar, I was, you know, I was back down in the rabbit hole. Um, I was off to the races and I would, you know, I'd be at that normal weight for about two days. 
Um, but so sitting and doing this inventory, um, it felt very freeing to me um, to have those defects illuminated for me. Um, you know, where was I, you know, selfish? And again, like a lot of people, underlying most everything was fear. Um, and for me, for me, it was that fear of not being enough. Um, and now I know today, after working these steps, I'm continuing to work these steps. Thank you, Katie, that I am enough, I have enough, and I do enough. Um, and I'm right where God wants me to be today. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa. And before I take names, um, we are on the bottom of page 65, the last paragraph there. We went back through our lives. And if you haven't shared in the last few days, if you could give me the, your first name and the first initial of your last name. Katie G from Boston. Katie G. Nancy P. Nancy P. Terry C. Terry C. Barbara E. Harlan G. Barbara E. I can take Irene. One. Irene B. Irene B. Okay. Well, that's a good group. Um, we'll have Katie G., Nancy P., Terry C., Harlan G., Barbara E., and Irene B. Go ahead, please, Katie. Good morning, Everyone Katie. Else, thanks please. for your... Sorry. I'm sorry. I was Everyone else, Go please ahead. mute. No, you're fine. I hesitated. Go ahead. That's okay. <laughs> Don't hesitate. My name is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. Woohoo, man. Okay, so the book continues to convince me why this isn't a program for human beings only. This is an this is addiction. Okay, right? Like I concluded that everyone in the world was wrong. And my husband can say everyone in the world is wrong, but the problem is he doesn't remember your name from kindergarten. He doesn't remember your name from junior high school. He moves on. He has a life. I can't pray these things away. I can't think myself away from them. And, you know, my biggest fear is you're going to reject me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reject you first. I'm going to reject you first. I'm going to pick apart you, and then I'm going to pick apart your family. And I am going to be so consumed with me and my anger that, guess what? Eating is a step up from how I feel. That's been my whole life. Um, you know, and, and even if I – so the way I worked when, when I first was doing the steps – what I realized is the way I worked is I met you and you were either better than me, so I had to worship you, but, but, but be careful because I'm going to reject you if you don't treat me the way I need you to, or you're worse than me and I'm going to stomp all over you, but be careful. I may start to like you if I think you're going to give me something. So, the, so even if I win, even if the blonde hair, big boobs who had, who had husbands and they were on my first resentment list, even if I figured out a way that they were somehow worse than me, I didn't win. Why? Because I was still thinking about you at 1 a.m. and I was eating at you, right? I was eating at you. I was consumed by it. Um, you know, and um, I just, you know, I think that they, as I move on as a recovered woman, thank you, God, one day at a time, you know, the, I can think, oh, well, that's a small resentment. Or, you know, I, I can be smugly superior. Like, I can t I'm going to be honest. I can tell my spiritual fitness 
by how my thinking is when I'm in when I'm in a big book meeting. Yeah, I'm sitting here, and if I'm sitting here judging you, let me tell you, I gotta go right to God because what I've learned through the process of refinement is any time I am judging, I'm in resentment, right? Because I'm going to judge you, I'm going to find you guilty, and then I'm going to judge you if I know your sponsor, if I know anywhere you go and you breathe, I'm going to reject you, right? And what is the problem with that? Oh my gosh, burning up energy foolishly. And again, once more, I, I can't afford this. I can't afford this. Why? Because unlike my husband, this buildup of anger and rage all coming from fear, because it always comes from fear, will lead me back to the food over and over again. So I pray you sit here and learn, be a student. If you're not on step four, just absorb it. But if you're on step four, learn how to do this, because this saves my life every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Okay, Nancy P., you're up, followed by Terry C. Hi. Can I be heard? Hey, Nancy. Yes, we can hear you. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. I was unmuting. Uh, Nancy P. calling from Newton, Massachusetts, right next to Boston. Um, so first, we concluded that the world was wrong or whatever it says. And that's really where I stopped is everybody else is wrong. And, and I, you know, I was trucking along with that attitude for decades. And in the end, it didn't matter who was right and who was wrong. It didn't, I, I couldn't even afford to think about that. What I had to do was surrender. And once I surrendered, the exhaustion that I felt of fighting and battling and, you know, you know, endlessly twisting myself into knots about, um, you know, who was right and who was wrong. None of it mattered. I was miserable. And if I wanted to get better, I had to surrender. And, and, and sorry about that. I'm in the car. Um, and when I, um, um, when I had to, when I finally surrendered, then I realized that none of it mattered. And when I finally surrendered, I got better and I don't waste my time anymore. Raging. Around, I don't waste my time anymore um, worrying about what other people are doing. I um, I have other tools. I have 10 steps, 11 step inventories. I turn my attention resolutely to someone else I can help. I just don't waste my time anymore, and I'm not exhausted anymore. Because it's, I was talking to a sponsee last night, and she said, I'm going to have to fight this battle forever. And I said, why fight? Why not surrender and move on to something else? And that's sort of the story of my, my um, recovery is that I surrendered and I moved on to something else. And the problem of food is no longer exists for me. I, um, I just don't think about it. It's just, you know, I had surgery a little while ago, a couple of years ago, and I never think about that anymore. The problem that, it, that was corrected by that surgery is solved. And I never think about the problem anymore because it doesn't exist for me. And the same thing with the food. I, you know, that issue does not exist for me anymore. And I'm free to con concentrate on, um, on other things in my life that um, need attention. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. 
Okay, Terry C., you're up, followed by Harlan G. Thank you, Katie. Um, this is Terry C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And uh, the paragraph uses the word wrong, wrong, wrong. And today, that is such a liberating phrase for me to admit. You know, a lot of my amends are um, pretty much including the wording that I was either wrong, I did something wrong, or it was wrong of me to do it. And uh, it's freeing for me to admit that, and yet um, this paragraph reminds me that was a word I got stuck on and I only could keep focused on you being wrong. It was never about me being wrong. And uh, our teachers of the big book for me, especially in a uh, Back to the 40s class that I took, um, taught me about wrong. Um, and, and I think it was said earlier, Katie said wrong judgments, you know, our resentments, wrong believing, our fears, wrong actions, our harm. And um, I became warped. And if people, institutions, or principles didn't satisfy me, please me, meet my conditions, my expectations, my agenda was threatened or intimidated, um, I punished them, you know, and acted out the role of victim. Um, I learned that I was, af I was afraid to appear. Um, I was afraid that other people would be right. You know, I didn't want them to be right. And mostly I was afraid of that because I'd rather not be wrong. It's that simple. Usually there was something there that, you know, I could claim as being wrong, but I didn't want to look at it. It was easier for me to say they were wrong. So um, I just wanted to weigh in this morning saying how I read this paragraph today and I remember, oh, yeah, <laughs> getting hung up on that never got me far. And uh, today I realized that I can admit my humanness I can see, um, you know, I can see the, the, the harm that my mistakes can cause. It can help me thinking through and not, not creating that again. And often it's helpful in just an admission of honesty that, you know, it's something I don't want to repeat or it's something I don't want to do and I need to let you know that I regret having done it. So um, I realize this isn't about the ninth step, it's about the fourth step. However, it's the realization of my humanness that helps me get through that fourth step, see what's blocking me, and get to that admission of um, how I erred in judgment or in beliefs or in actions. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Okay, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for your service. Thanks to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. What word there is very conspicuous by its absence? The word perfection. And if I've learned anything over my years in OA is that we as a group have two tendencies. Number one, to get distracted from the big book. Show us a download, show us a pamphlet, show us a booklet, show us some alternative way of doing the big book, and we will run toward it. I don't know why, but we are addicted to that distraction. It's so simple. This is a process that should not take more than two, three hours. 
This is not a process to take months and weeks and years and God knows what. God is not going to hang my fourth step on his refrigerator as a, as, a, as a thing of perfection. I'm going to do thorough. I'm going to do honest. I'm not going to look for perfect. And when I look at this paragraph, what this paragraph shows me in one snippet here is the story of my life. I'm going to be right darn you, I'm going to show you that 2 and 2 is 31. I'm going to show you that whatever, I'm going to show you something. And I didn't almost die from this disease because of what I didn't know. I didn't die from, almost die from this disease because of the mistakes I made. I almost died in this disease power driving what I didn't know to try to convince you that I was right. And a very wise person said to me, Harlan, you can be happy and live in recovery or you can be right. Those are your choices. What is the, what is the reason that I ate? What is the reason that I ran to food even though I was dying? The buildup of everyday human emotions was causing such havoc in me that, as our friend from Boston says, eating became a step up from where I was. And when I don't think that way, I don't eat that way. And when those emotions are not allowed to build up like that because of the working of the steps, I don't eat that way and I live better. And for the 40 years that I've been in this program, the last 20 plus have been abstinent, I can see in myself that when I take this inventory process and I don't have to be right all the time and I can just go with the flow and seek God's will, I haven't found it necessary to compulsively overeat in over 20 years and I have been released from that desire happily. Yes, you can be released from it happily. Time, that, please. I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Irene B. Wonderful. May I be heard right now? Yes, thank you. Oh, good, good. I wasn't sure. I'm lying in a hospital bed in New Jersey and so grateful for this meeting because I'm pretty much helpless, can't do anything for myself at this point since breaking my hip on Monday. And had this been 25 years ago, I would have been saying, poor me, poor me, pour me a milkshake. I would have been angry, frustrated. I want to go to the convention, but I can't. And it's all your fault. Well, of course, it's not like that at all. So in advance, if you've ever been in a hospital, I may have to disconnect very quickly uh, because people tend to walk in and out of the room doing all kinds of things. This program has saved my life. Really, man plans, God laughs, sometimes hysterically. I was fortunate enough to go to the convention in 2017 I know I'll be able to listen to the convention uh, off the uh, webpage, uh, visionforyou.org, or that info. 
I will be fine and everything will work out as it should be. I can see my husband, how upset he is that we can't find a placement for me in a rehab center because our insurance isn't covering a rehab center. Um, He is frustrated. I'm calm. This would not be me before. I would have been saying, what do you mean you can't find placement for me in the rehab center? What do you mean uh, it's been rejected by my insurance? I can't go home. It's impossible. I have 18 steps and I haven't been shown how to walk yet. But I am calm today in the midst of what's considered a minor calamity in life. It's me, the floor, and a hip. That's it. But all will work out as it meant to be. And I just wanted to thank you again for making me a better me. You and this book and the program and my sponsors and all of you who are here with me today. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Barbara, and I'm so sorry about your accident. I'm glad you sound so good. Okay, Irene B., you're up, and then we'll take more names. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. I am Irene B., a very gratefully recovering bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, Wow. The more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. You know, as I grew up with this disease, um, I kind of developed, and I went through stages of being paralyzed and very much of an introspect, and I love the clarity that I'm getting from all the shares. In the last few days, and from people who reached out to me, and I realized that what drives me is that fear, fear, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being enough, the fear of being inferior, subpar, not enough. And so I try to compensate, and I accomplished academically in in whatever other ways I could, always trying to hide my deep sense of inferiority, but I didn't even know that I had a sense of inferiority. I had no idea, none, you know. I thought I was, in one hand, worse than everybody. On on the other hand, I was better than everybody. It was so weird. You know, how can the same person hold the same belief? But that's the way it was. But I do know that as I got older and tried to fight for my self-esteem and to make myself feel good about myself in whatever way I could, the more we fought and tried to have our own way or replace that by to feel better about ourselves, the worse matters got. And, boy, um, 
it's taking a lot. I forgot. I forget. I forgot all the things that I've done wrong. I forgot that I hated myself for being fat because I haven't been fat in over a bunch of years, bunches and bunches of years. And um, so I didn't hate myself for being fat anymore. I hated myself for being imperfect and or could not meet the mark, you know. Because if I did not meet the mark, that meant that I was inferior. But if I met the mark, that meant that I was superior. So I could never be equal. I was either up from you or down from you. And that didn't do very well for my relationships. And I just think this program that is teaching me Time, to see what my part is in all the messes that I've made so I can correct it because if I'm the one who caused it, then I'm the one who can make it stop with God's help, obviously. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on the bottom of page 65. We went back through our lives. If you've not shared in the last few days and would like to, please give me the first, your first name and the first initial of your last name. Donna G. Melissa C. Can take some more names. Star one. Tina S. Tina S. Tina S. I got you, Tina. Lynn S. Lynn S. Can take a couple more. Lisa J. Marla. Lisa J. Marla S. And Marla S. Okay, that's great. Okay, uh, we have Donna G, Melissa C, Tina S, Lynn S, Lisa J, and Mar- Marla S. Go ahead, please, Donna. Everyone else, please mute. Hi, this is Donna G, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, so I, um, when I did my fourth step, I looked things over and I just, I can't believe that I could get through five decades, over five decades of life with not seeing this pattern. It was just amazing to me, the things that jumped out, um, the patterns of, um, you know, basically just, just all the patterns of, how, how it just looks so repetitive, and I I could never see it. Um, so grateful, um, and so grateful that I didn't feel like I had to do it perfectly, and that I had a sponsor um, who really helped me along the way to to realize that. But um, the one thing that jumped out with with this paragraph with me was um, the piece about not winning. I think. I think I identified so much with that. I was a very um, competitive person, came from a very large family, and it was kind of like, you know, um, I am better than them. They're in the wrong. They're to blame. And, you know, I had um, a resentment toward every single one of my family members. And 
when I did this, what I realized is that, um, not to take their inventory, but in one way or another, we are all sick. And um, who wins? Who wins from that? You know, who wins from um, coworkers or family members or whoever who are sick? There's no winning in that. It's it's actually very sad. And if I'm connected and I, you know, um, I'm really leaning into my um, higher power who I call God, like, that's a sad thing that one of his children are um, hurting and sick. That's not that's not winning, you know. Um, and needless to say, in most cases, I was more in the wrong than them anyhow. But so not winning on many levels, I guess, is what came to me. And um, it just, um, you know, praying praying for um, for those who I used to have resentment toward. Oh my gosh, I never thought that would happen. Because you know what, I'm giving in. I'm, I'm there. I'm I'm giving them the fact. You know, I'm giving them the idea that you know, even if they don't know it, that. They deserve something. They don't deserve anything. They hurt me. You know, it's just, it's crazy. And uh, and yet I do that, and I pray, and I pray every morning for um, the person who was top of my resentment list. I pray every morning for her um, and, and with sincerity. So I guess I would just encourage the newcomers, um, do this, do this. Um, your heart will be transformed. It really will. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Donna. And Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Tina S. Hi. Good morning, Katie F. Thank you so much for your service this morning. It's Melissa C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, <laughs> I I always thought, like, there's this great balance sheet and um and it's like the side that's right and the side that's wrong. And um I don't know about all of you but I really feel like my side that's right is far We can't hear you, Melissa. Hi, yeah, I just it, it there muted you are. me. Um yeah, I'm back. <laughs> um, yeah, I always thought, like, so there's, like, I am definitely right, and you're definitely wrong. And um, and I actually, a lot of the times, I still feel that way. Like, I have perpetual know-it-all syndrome. And, um, and I think I am right about a lot of things. And, okay, you know, like, the best part of this inventory was, was um, yeah, so what? Like, so what? You're right. Um, you don't get to win. You like only it. You only think you're winning because for me, you know, being white, um, what did I get? You know, what was my medal? You know, 150 extra pounds and living in constant anxiety and annoyance. Um, and I felt alone in a room filled with people, you know, who loved me, right? But I was right, and so. That was complete, you know, I was not connected, <laughs> you know, that's like complete disconnection. And so today it just doesn't matter if I'm right, you know, and, and that's a decision that I have to make all the time um, because I can, you know, I, I, I teach second grade and I have sometimes a second grader's mentality, like that's not fair and that's not right. And, you know, I can learn from them as they're my example or the cautionary tale and um 
yeah, so it's a decision. I It's okay to be right um, and still not get your way, you know. And, and sometimes I also have to say, you know, mm, you only think you're right. Like, you have a very small human mind and, and an addict's mind, so I lock in on the rightness, um, you know, and I love what was said earlier, loads of other people. I, I work with people in a union and, um, they can have the luxury of fighting the fight of being right. I can't, it will kill me today. I just have to live in peace. Thanks. But then I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay. Now we have Tina S followed by Lynn S. Thanks so much, Katie. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow. That's some really great stuff today. And, you know, and I always share this because it's the truth. Every time people are sharing, my, hair, my head is just shaking up and down. Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. You know, because I can so relate and grateful so, gratefully so. You know, and I too, you know, I'm one of them ones too. You know, I had to be right. And I didn't really, you know, I, I thought that the world was, wrong i don't know that they necessarily wronged me i didn't get there because i i was one of those ones who went into the oh you know it's my fault and all that type of stuff but i still concluded that i was right and you were wrong and by damned you were going to know it and um and i love that it says here you know but the more we fought and tried to have our own way the worse matters got which was definitely true you know because i wanted my way all the time you know, there was only one way and it was mine. But as in war, the victor only seemed to win, you know, because, you know, I shut myself off from a lot of things in my life. And, and the food became my God. It became my life. It became everything. And so I was so isolated. And it didn't really matter that I, that I was right or that I thought I was right. And most times it was just that I thought I was right. You know, I am not. And today I can, I love that was shared. Today I can still be like that. But I don't have to prove to you that I'm right. You know, um, you know, I'd rather be happy, joyous, and free, whether I'm right or wrong. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, and I love when, when we go on to talk about, you know, we, we put out the wrong put out of our minds entirely the wrongs that others have done, and then we can get to some some good stuff here. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great meeting. Thank you, Tina. Okay, Lynn S., it's your turn, followed by Lisa J. Good morning. This is Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. It was apparent that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. That was my life. It was like a record. I hit the end of that sentence, blip, and went back to the first one and went over again and blip. I spent six years, which is a small amount of time for me, telling Everybody and anybody who would listen how wrong Sue and Walt were. You can't believe what they did now. Listen to this. Let me tell you. Blip over and over and over again. Back to the beginning. Next phone call. Probably same person. I spent so much time in deep pain and hurt and anger and resentment and let me tell you again here's a new day different story same people look what they did i remember sitting in a parking lot going over this yet again the new the new hurt the new pain the new how wrong they were 
And the fellow said to me, yes, Lynn, you're right. Now what? And it was like I got a pail of cold water thrown over me. Now what? Yes, I'm right, but now what? And it was at that moment that I was at a turning point. And I realized, you know, my life would continue to be a series of, yes, you're right, Lynn, you're right, Lynn, you're right, Lynn, and back to the beginning and let's hear it one more time, or now what? Now what? Now I'm at a turning point. I ask for God's care and protection with complete abandon. I can work the steps and get a new perspective on life and get myself out of this terrible prison that I'm putting myself in, not Sue and Walt, me, I'm doing it. Or I can blip and go back to the beginning. Thank you, God, we have a way out and all we have to do is take it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Okay, now we have Lisa J. followed by Marla S. Good morning, family. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. I'm Lisa J., a compulsive overeater from Michigan, recovered thanks to God in this program for this 24 hours. The part that spoke to me is the usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. And in my opinion, probably so did they. We each came to the table with an expectation, came to the Thanksgiving table with the expectation of how my family was going to act. This person's going to do that. That person's going to do that. So automatically I walk in with my defenses up and there I am. Um, You know, we're, we're in the same pattern. You know, these human emotions have already welled up because I'm expecting them to act a certain way. They reflect my defensiveness. I reflect their defensiveness. And there I am fighting again, trying to have my own way, trying to prove that I'm right, trying to show my point of view because that's so important and the worst matters get. So there I am. I have this buildup of human emotions that was expressed before. So what do I do? I step up to the dessert table or over to the refrigerator or the pantry looking for the sense of ease and comfort because I cannot deal with this situation one more year. And so here, God bless me, comes this beautiful book, this beautiful chip of a book, and calling in in the morning and listening to my fellows, realizing that it's not that important. So I ask myself the question before I walk in the door to that situation, how important is it right now that, I, that my opinion is expressed? Or that, and they're not even looking anyway. They're not listening to me because they already have their defenses up. I already have my defenses up. So this book teaches me that, you know, I need to set the record straight. I need to clean up my side of the street. And I've been amazed at the results because inevitably, now when I walk in with a smile and I look at them and I can say, I judged you. I don't say this. I say this silently. I judged you. I accept you. And that changes everything. And all of a sudden, the defenses are down because they're experiencing the sunlight of the spirit. And I have the freedom to transmit it because I've experienced it through this program, through walking through these steps, experiencing the spiritual awakening, not worrying about the dessert table, walking in and seeing what I can bring to the table, what I can add to life, what can I pack into the stream of life. But I, again, there I am. I have to carry the vision of God's will into every day, into every activity. And then I get the freedom from the compulsion of being right 
or proving my point or uh, indulging in the food. It's all there. This psychic change is sufficient to meet all my problems today. So for that, I'm grateful and I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, now we'll have Marla F. Star one to unmute, Marla. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Can you hear me? Okay, great. Yes. Good morning. This is Marla S. in Iowa, S. like Sam. Um, This is really a great section for me. When I first did my fourth step, it was before I understood how to do it the big book way. And uh, even though I didn't follow the directions the big book way and I did it more as a, oh, here's my life story, I still got well and I still got something out of it. Um, But as I've been more about six, seven years ago, I started learning about the big book and doing all further inventories through this method. And um, I'm just amazed at how much more efficient this is for me because the other method, I never got any major ahas. I still recovered, thank God, and followed the directions um, and just got well anyway, even though it wasn't close to being perfect. But now when I do um, 10 steps or any deeper fourth steps using this method, the patterns become so clear so quickly and I'm able to let go of the resentment that just poisons me. You know, uh, being in recovery now for about, it's almost my seven year anniversary coming up on uh, abstinence and recovery. And I'm so peaceful most of the time that I don't feel the constant resentment that I used to feel so much, especially toward my husband on a daily basis. Now that I have that general sense of peace, Whenever one does come up, I can feel it so quickly and it just burns inside of me. And I hate how that feels. So now we have, I have the 10th step that I can follow this process with. And just yesterday, I was on a phone call with him feeling pretty good until I talked to him. He said one thing about taking our son out for lunch and a friend. And right away, it was like, why is he doing that again? We made an agreement that we're not supposed to go out to eat and spend this money more than this many times a week. And I've told him so many times not to do that, and he agreed, and la, la, la. And I felt so angry. And luckily, the program has taught me when I have that anger, deal with it immediately. And I called my sponsor and gave her my little 10th step away. And right away, she said, uh, let's get to the brass text. He's not doing what you want. And it was like, just cut it right down to the fact he's not doing what I want. I think we should be saving money. I think we should not be going out to eat more than this many times. He shouldn't be doing this with my. I had this whole script I wanted him to play, and she helped me get just right to what it was. What in me is trying to control him? And it was only hurting me. And he had agreed to this agreement. Well, no, it's because I badgered him into it every single other time. And he just said, okay, fine, I'll listen to you. So the truth is I got right to what was going on. It was me doing it to me. And within about a maybe 10 minute or a shorter phone call, I completely was able to see my part in it, let it go and, and go on. And I loved what the gal said about, so now what? You're right. Yeah. I don't think he should be spending money all the time on eating. I did that all the time when I was in active illness. So it was hypocritical on my part. It was dishonest. We're not going to go financially destitute if he goes out to $20 lunch with my kid. So either way, the program has taught me now how to let go of these things that in the past would have driven me into the Kit Kats or the Almond Joys. 
And I'm so much Mine more too. peaceful within. Yeah, within ten minutes, I was back to being sane and peaceful because I let it go. So thank you for teaching me how to do this in a way that is so effective. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much. Okay, we have time for one more share. Who would like to take that spot? Star one to unmute. Margie from Massachusetts. Go ahead, please, Marge. Good morning, Margie from Massachusetts. I find the fourth step so freeing and so lucky that I found this program. Over the years, I've I've done many fourth steps, you know, from the old way now with the vision, you know, it, it's so much more complete. But what I really become excited over is that I see that things that used to be on my resentment list aren't there anymore. They have been relieved of me. And that's such a sense of freedom that I don't have to carry around this baggage anymore. And um, I am just overwhelmed with gratitude for this program to make me the person that I am today, well, not me, working with God, and the person I am today, to not have those moments when I think about things like, oh, oh, why did you do that, you know? Oh, you know, and I hate myself. And things are so much better now and more loving now. And uh, I have just God in this program to thank for that. Thank for that. And um, I get so excited when I'm bringing my sponsees through the fourth step because it just reminds me how exciting it is that I'm going to be getting better and closer to God. And I'm just, I can't express my re- gratitude enough for this program and the freeing and the development of a healthier me, a happier me, and a more joyous me. And it's with the thanks of this program and God. Thank you very much for sharing, for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marge. Um, Okay, we have time for one more burning desire, one-minute share. Jump in. Diane B., New York. Okay, go ahead, Diane. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for this great, great meeting, Um, the timing of which is amazing because I have an appointment with my sponsor tomorrow to go through steps three through eight again. Um, I've done it many times before. This will be a whole new experience for me. I was happy to hear it mentioned before that this whole process of resentment should only take me two to three hours because I couldn't believe that I was going to be able to do all these steps in one day. So I'm just putting it out there that, you know, no matter how long I've been in the rooms, it's never too late to learn. And this has been an amazing experience. Thank you. Pass. Thank you. Okay, well, um, I think we're just about there. Yep, I have 7.55. So thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, November 1st, 2019, is 13,603. That's 13603. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Susan H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I'd love to. This is Susan H., Recovered Compulsive Overreader in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
<clears throat> we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.